Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Chapters 10 through 12 in Daniel. Daniel's about 90 years old. He's coming to the end of his life. He's been in captivity since he was a teenager and has spent the majority of his life in Persia. And so now Daniel's going to see not just the near future, but the far off future in the last days as we dive into this. And and God is reminding him uh, and reminding us that we're in the last days. Uh, So we need to remember too, as we see the bear in the north continuing to get stronger, there's a reason for that. And and if if you wonder what it is, then you need to read the book of Ezekiel. And you'll understand, uh, Russia's, Russia's got to grow and all because they, they play a part in end times. And so there's a change coming and we see it happening in front of us. But it's, it's like I told you all this past weekend, America can turn on a, on a dime if we repent as a nation. If we repent as a nation. Uh, verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel who was named Balthazar, and the word was true. And it was a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. And so now we see that that it's important to note the date. So it's about two years have passed since Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 9. And and so in verses 24 through 27. And so Cyrus has issued a decree, and this goes into the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the first year, Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it into writing. And so God uses the spirit to stir up Cyrus, who's not a Christian, to do the work of the Lord. So why do we pray for our nation? This is exactly why. This is exactly why we do it. Uh, we, 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 we see that Cyrus is commanding them to rebuild the temple. Oh, thank Lord. I love it when that air, air conditioned. I feel like I'm yelling. And, and so it, Daniel, we see, is in the third year. And, and Daniel didn't go, though. So as they, they build the temple, Daniel didn't go. Why? He's 90. He's 90 years old. And, and he's, he's going to finish serving the king. That's where he's going to spend the rest of the time of his life, is, is in service to the king. And so in those days, I ate no delicacy, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at the full three weeks. And so that's me in Daniel chapter 1 today in our reading. And, and so um, it just reminded me that Daniel early on in his faith as to eat. Uh, and what we see here is that Daniel is, is praying, fasting, and, and seeking the Lord. 
Um, but you, what we do have is it says that he's adjusting his fasting. So he has no food of the king, but just the basics, drinking water and vegetables. And you may go, well, why is he just doing that? He's 90 years old. He's got he's to get Okay? And so it's, it's changed a little bit, but he's still the intention of fasting and seeking God for answers is still at 90 years old. If you want a portrayal of somebody's life, Daniel's somebody we should look to. Um, I, I think it was uh, it was Teresa or somebody was talking about how come there uh, it got brought up in a conversation. How come we don't hear testimonies about people who grew up knowing the Lord? Those are the ones that you really want to hear, because they're so far and few between. We always hear, I mean, don't get me wrong, God's done amazing work in people's lives and, and you know, through addictions and, and overcoming things, but it, the, the person had brought it up and was like, you know, how amazing would it be just to hear somebody who grew up walking in the Lord and just stayed walking in the Lord? That's Daniel. So it's, you know, when people talk about being someone like somebody in the Bible, Daniel's a good per- person to look at. Um, because he had a heart of prayer, um, and he, he sought the Lord consistently. It says in verse 4, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river uh, that is Tigris. Now we know in Genesis chapter 2, verse 14, I've told you all this before, these are real places with real people. It's a real river. In Genesis 2, 14, it says, And, and the name of the third river is Tigris which flows east of Assyria and the fourth river is Euphrates. Tigris is actually one of the most, one of the biggest main uh, sources of water for Mesopotamia and other, other cultures. And so, and, and Tigris is, is Western Asia. It's the second largest river in that area. And it's connected to the Euphrates River. And that actually handles most of the, uh, uh, the flow of river that has for Turkey, uh, Syria, and Iraq. So it's a real river. And it goes all the way back to Genesis. These are real places. That is just something for us to remember. It says in verse 5, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed linen with a belt of fine gold uh, from up, up haze around his waist. He bo- his body was like barrel, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms are like uh, arms and legs like the gleam of Bronish bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. So what we have here is a Christophany. This is actually an appearance of Christ in the Bible. And so, and, and I want you to make sure you get this. This is why I love the book of Revelation. There's such a, a unique um, description in Revelation and Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 10 verse 6 it says his face appearing of lightning and we see in revelation chapter 1 verses 12 through 16 it says his hair and uh the head of his head and hair white like wool like snow eyes like flaming torches in daniel and what does it say in in revelation it says eyes like a flame of fire uh and then his arms his arms and feet gleamed of polished bronze and it says in in revelation feet like burnished bronze when made to glow in a furnace. And then you have uh, in Daniel the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. And then in, uh, in Revelation his voice was like the sound of many waters. 
So you see the, the parallel that happens in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel. They're very interwoven, and that's why normally you would study both of them at the same time if you're in school. They teach you both. There's a reason for that because there's so much. And think about it, John and Daniel, so many years apart, and they're, they're seeing the same thing. And, and one of the things that's very important as we get into this is understanding how specific the prophecies are in this. That's why people don't agree with them. Which doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's God. Why wouldn't it be specific? <laughs> but people will say it's too specific. Nobody could have got that much stuff right. If it's coming from God, it's all going to be right. And that's where it's coming from. And it says, And Daniel, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide, hide themselves. The Lord, they, they, they felt it, and, and they fled. They're like, I can't be around here. And that's what happens sometimes when light and dark hit. You, you spend your conversation with somebody, and, and you're sharing scripture with them and then all of a sudden they got to go got to get out of here it happens but we need to continue to 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 be that voice just like bartimaeus was this past weekend we learned that when the crowd rebuked him he got even louder we need to we need to stand up you know and and share share the word of god and and so uh it's just to remember that 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 god's invisible presence makes men tremble and it says that in 1 Timothy 16 dwells an approachable light whom no man has seen or can see. And verse 8 says, So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sounds of his word, and as I, as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Daniel collapses strength taken out of him in verse 10 it says and behold the hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and i love this and he said to me O daniel man greatly loved understand the words that i speak to you and stand upright for now i have have, have been sent uh, i have been sent to you and when he had spoken these words uh, to me, I stood up trembling. And so we see one of the beauties of this is that, that he not only tells them again, what does he tell them? You're greatly loved. Something that we need to be telling our kids and our wives and our, our spouses, hey, you're greatly loved. Do you know God greatly loves you? My granddaughter wrote a, a book today on Jesus. And it's like, man, it's awesome to see when a child of, of God just, they just figure it out. Have Jesus just, just figure it out. Or my, my daughter wrote the scripture for her, and it's just like, she was so happy to show it. And, and it's a reminder that, man, God greatly loves you, and he wants you to understand who he is. He helps you stand upright when you can't stand, when you don't have the strength. Remember the Apostle Paul, when he was sharing his testimony, he talked about it. In Acts chapter 26, verses 15 and 16, he said, 
And who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul was, went to his knees. He couldn't stand. But rise and stand up on your feet. And, and I love that. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it's like I'm going to show you these things. I'll, ha- I'll, I'll show them to you. Now, I, the things that have been spoken, I'll, I'll, I'll share them with you. Stand upright. Understand the words. God wants us to be able to understand the words in the Bible. In verse 12 it says, Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. So he tells them to fear not. God's word is truth. And so in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We are not to fear uh, the way that men fear God. We fear God in a reverence because we know who He is. There's an awe in understanding who we're coming to to pray to, who we're coming to when we open His Word. We understand, we have no doubt what God's Word is, that it's infallible without error. In verse 12, it says that, you know, as he was saying that, he says, Fear not, Daniel, from the first day. This is very important that you get this. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God. From the first day that, like, you give your life to the Lord, man, from that day, you're covered by the the blood of Christ. He knows you. He's known you the whole time. But man, when you set your heart towards Him, and He says, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. You know, one of the things that's very important for us to remember is that very simply is this. Humility, fasting, praying. That was Daniel's life in Christ. Humility, fasting, praying. And, and it's very important for us to understand that like when we look at our lives, is it, are we humble? Are we prideful? Do we come to the Lord humbly? You want an example of what humility is? Just read the verses we went over this past weekend. That's humility. Humility of knowing, hey, the only person that can heal me is Jesus and that's who I have to go to. Lord, have mercy on me. The crowd rebukes him and he goes, no, I still need Jesus. Don't care what y'all say. Lord, have mercy on me. And and Daniel was a man of humility. Bartimaeus, a man that was humble. Humility. But Daniel was always fasting and praying. In Psalm 35, 13, it says, But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth and I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed. And on my chest, and that's, that's David, as he was crying out. But I love, he's like, your prayer's been answered, we heard you. It, you. It's been heard in heaven. Front page news, Daniel's praying. It's important. And, and it, it's a reminder to us of how important our relationship, it's a personal relationship. He personally wants to hear from you every day. 
spend time with you so you can hear from him. In verse 13, it says, The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Is praying for 21 days and, and there's an insight of spiritual warfare that's happening here. The Archangel Michael. And so we need to be very careful of trying to define what type of demonic levels are happening here. There are people that will spend hours upon hours trying to figure out what type of authority that has been given to the demonic spirits, what type of uh, uh, hierarchy that Satan has. And their focus becomes so focused on Satan, they forget about God. God reveals a glimpse that there is spiritual forces at work. So in our political structures of our world, in our, in our government leaders, God is a, there's, there's things that are going on at work, spiritually. We know that in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 7, it says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. In a moment of time, the kingdoms that Satan was ruling. The kings, the rulers, to, to give to Jesus, hey, you can have this. And the devil said to him, All authority that I, I will give you, and the glory, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. And I give them to whoever I wish. Therefore, you wish uh, you will worship before me and I will, I will be yours. And so what we see here is that the Bible is teaching us there's these wars that are happening. Uh, that are happening between good and evil. They're happening within our prime ministers and our kings and our president and our countries. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 says that finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the, in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand and the evil day and having done all to stand. And we get the mention here of Archangel Michael. We know that he's also mentioned in Jude chapter 1 verse 9. It says, When, when Archangel Michael contending with the devil was dis, uh, disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce blasphemy judgment, but said, Lord, the Lord rebuke you. Or Archangel Michael. There are things going on that we have no clue. There are things going on as you were trying to come to church today that stopped you. There are things going on as, 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 as your day was unfolding where you go, I don't really know if I want to go to church tonight. And those demonic spirits and those things are just fighting and you don't even know what's going on around you. There are things trying to get in your house. There are things that are in our White House and in our Congress and in our Senate. It happens. When we start, we start worshiping things that are not of the Lord and we start allowing sin, we open doors to demonic spirits to happen. And that includes our, home, our own homes. 
in our own homes. The little doors that open. One of the goofiest movies you'll ever watch is called Divination. It's on Pure Flix. Goofy. It's, it's probably low-budget D, D movie, bad camera angles, the whole nine yards. But the movie itself shows you what happens when you start allowing tarot cards and pornography and things and how it opens doors within the home and how, how some, a godly home can be taken over by demonic spirits. It happens. Verse 14 says, And he came to understand what, is, uh, what it is to happen to your people in the latter days. That, that what he's saying in the latter days, those are future events. For the vision is for the days yet to come when he had spoken to me according to, according to these words. I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. And behold, one in, one in the likeness of, a tr- uh, of the children of a man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and I said uh, to him who stood before me. Oh, my Lord, by reason of this vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. So Daniel's mouth was touched uh, by uh, an angel of human appearance. Uh, and, and so it goes in verse 17. How can the Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now strength remains in me. No strength remains in me. No breath is left in me. And again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. So we see the touch of the Lord. Man, something we all need today, right? Every day, the touch of the Lord in our lives, the touch of joy, uh, the touch of, of, of hope, you know, that, that, that God can strengthen us and unite us. Verse 19 says, And he said, O man, greatly love, fear not. Again, second time, greatly love. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. That reminds me of Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous, right? And he has spoke to me. I was strengthened. He said, let my Lord speak to you, for you have strengthened me. See, do we need the touch of the Lord? Well, we're going to talk about that. Corey, you can go ahead and turn that air conditioning back on. Let's get warm. Do you need the touch of the Lord? You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. The power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. It's very important that we understand that. The, when a believer gives his life to Christ, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So, you have Christ in you. And, and the Spirit. So, we, we're going to talk about that. I can't wait till we get in that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It's Him who strengthens us, not ourselves. And it says in verse 20, Then He said, Do you know why I, come, why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. And you see all these battles that are happening, right? But I will tell you, what is inscribed in the book of truth? There is no one who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. So again, we, we find out like the archangel Michael and what he does and how important he is. The angel of the Lord or the angel uh, that, is, that is by the side of, uh, of God that, uh, that takes care of a lot of these spiritual battles. You have Gabriel, who's a messenger. So we've had two angels that appear, and plus the one that strengthened him. 
So the angels are real. They're created by God. They're a separate creature than us, but there's a war going on around us. It's one of those things I had told y'all, you know, it's a reminder that you're not on a cruise ship, so you shouldn't have that cruise ship mentality. Um, Daniel 11. So when we get into Daniel 11, this is the, the one that, because it is so accurate, this is the one where people go, there's no way that this this is true he had to have write this it had to have been written after the events happened it had to have been but we know that the uh, septuagint the the translation of the the bible was done in greek uh and it was translated some hundred years before this this event was ever written so as daniel's doing this some hundred years before that josephus actually the historian josephus actually reveals the accuracy of God's words. So it had already been written a hundred years before they even got to it. And all these things are happening. So we need to remember that when we see God's word and it reveals God, when we see God's word, there's an accuracy to God's word, especially in Daniel chapter 11. The accuracy should, should show you that God's scripture is breathed, that God's prophecy is real. So when we talk about things that are going to happen at the end times, it's going to happen. And, and to see that it doesn't matter the king, doesn't matter the kingdom, doesn't matter if they're walking with God or not. If God needs to move somebody, they're going to get moved to do what God's will is. And that's what we're going to see as we dive into Daniel 11. And we've got a lot of reading to do, so... I won't spend a lot of time on this because we spent a lot of time on this over the chapter. I'll, I'll dive in on certain parts of it and all. But if, if, you, if you really want to go deep on Daniel 11, man, if you break down the history of the world, it gets down to the exact detail. Even down to Cleopatra. Down to the detail. It, it's, it's unreal. And, but it's God. So why would we expect anything different? Right? And it says, As for, for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and the four shall be far richer than all of them. And when he, when he has uh, become strong through his riches, he shall stir up... All against the kingdom of Greece. Well, the fourth king was Xerxes. And the fourth king was determined to wipe out Greece. And, and he raised up an army of about two and a half uh, million men. It was one of the bloodiest battles in the history. Uh, history in the Greek Empire. And uh, actually, uh, although Greek lost, Xerxes was decimated. It cost him everything. And the, Greek, the Greeks waited to take revenge. They didn't go right back at them. They took time and they, they made their move at a different time with Alexander the Great. Remember we talked about Alexander the Great. He conquers the world. And so, uh, you know, as we talk about uh, the riches, and, and think about that. It says, three, three more kings shall rise in Persia and the four shall be far richer. Xerxes had more money than any of the kings more power and and then what does it say and and when he has become strong through his riches he shall stir up all against the kingdom of greece is exactly what he did 
It's exactly what he did. And then it says in verse 3, Then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with a great dominion and do his will. That's Alexander the Great who rules for 13 years. And as soon as he is risen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided towards the four winds of heaven, but not to uh, his prosperity, uh, nor according to the authority with which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. So the four divisions of the, of the northern, southern, western, eastern kingdom were the four generals of the Greek army that took over those. And it says in verse 5, Then the king of the south shall be strong, but one of the princes shall be stronger, and then he shall rule, and his authority shall be greater authority. So we know that uh, Seculus, the, um, the first king of the north, the dynasty was centered in uh, Syria. And then Seculus was appointed a satrap for, uh, for Babylon. But when he became fearful of Antigius, uh, Seculus fled to Egypt to serve under... Pa I'm going to mess these names up badly. Ptolemy. And then in the summer of 315, Antigius arrived in Babylon... It was warmly welcomed. So he goes to the other, the other person to serve, and he's welcomed warm. But then eventually, the relationship goes cold because he was one of the officers were asking permission uh, to punish Antigius. Antigius became angry and demanded that Seculus give him an income from the province, which Seculus refused to do. And he was uh, afraid. Antigius fled back to Egypt with 50 horsemen. Now, I know this is a lot of history, so I apologize, but we need to get into it. Uh, Seculus, 800 infantry and 200 cavalry. Seculus marched on, and he gathered more soldiers and conquered Babylon. So his dominion became greater. The king of the north eventually gained control of the entire area of Asia Minor and India, and over time, the stronger of the king of the south. All because of that history. Exactly how God said it was going to happen. Verse 6 says, And after some years they, they shall make an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king of the north and to make an agreement. But she shall not retain the strength of her arm, and he, is, he and his arm shall not endure, but she shall be given up, and her attendants, and he whose father heard, and he who supported her in those times. So Alexander the Great had died. The empire was divided up. And so uh, what we see is, is the, a, an arrangement of, a, of marriage that happens. And it says in verse 7, And, and from the branch of, uh, from her roots, one shall arise in his place, and he shall come against the army and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he shall deal with them and shall prevail. He, he will also carry off Egypt, their gods, with their metal images and precious vessels of silver, and gold, and for some years they shall refrain from attacking the king of the north, and then later on come into the realm of the king of the south, but he shall return to his own land. So, Ptolemy actually, that's the way, it, I'm sorry I've mispronounced it so badly before, but Ptolemy gathered an army, Ptolemy third, and he marched on Israel, and, and, and did the Syrians. And so while he was there, he rescued 2,500 gods the Syrians had stolen, from Egypt, so you you kind of get the idea that Israel is in between all of this, which is kind of what's happening today. Israel is between all of this. They're the center. Remember, we told y'all the center of of 
of of the Israel uh, is Jerusalem. This is where everything's going to happen, and and so we need to remember that. Verse ten says, "He shall wage war and assemble a multitude of great forces, which uh, shall keep him from coming, uh, keep coming and overflow and pass through, and 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 again shall carry the war as far as his fortress." So, in response, the Egyptian invasion Antiochus launched a counterattack against Egypt. And in the process, they claimed Israel as part of their empire. So this is going to create problems. And then the king of the south, moved with rage, shall come out and fight against the king of the north. And he shall rise, uh, uh, raise a great multitude, but it shall be given into his hand. And when the multitude is taken away, his heart shall be exalted. And he, he shall cast down ten of, uh, tens of thousands, but he shall not prevail. For the, the king of the north shall again rise... A, a raise a multitude greater than the first and after some years he shall come on with a great army and an abundant supplies in those times many shall rise against the king of the south and the violent among your people shall uh, lift themselves up into uh, in the order to fulfill the visions but they shall fail then the king of the north shall come up and throw up siege works and take a well fortified city and the forces of the south shall not stand, or even his best troops, for there shall be no strength to stand. But he who comes against him shall do as, as he wills, and none shall stand before him. And he shall stand in the glorious land, and the destruction of his hand, and he shall set his face to come, come with the strength of the whole kingdom, and he shall bring terms of an agreement, and perform, perform him. He shall give... Him, the daughter of the, the woman, destroyed the kingdom, but it shall not, not stand or be his advantage. So what happens is there's tension between Antichius and Palome, and so he's like, I've got a beautiful daughter, you got a son, I'll ship my daughter to, your, to Egypt. She'll hang out, and we'll wait for the son to grow up, and they get married, and then after, however, the, the, the daughter inside, the Ptolemies, was a spy. And the woman's name was Cleopatra. It was a good idea until Cleopatra actually fell in love and refused to spy on the house of Ptolemy. So everything fell apart. Uh, and then it says in verse 18, And afterwards he shall turn his face to the coastlands and capture many of them. But the commander shall put an end to insolence. Indeed, he shall turn his insolence back upon him. So what happens now is that Antichius actually uh, was forcing to withdraw because he went against the Roman commander. And the Roman commander is like, if you do this, you're going to go to war with Rome. And it, it upset him, so he, he was pushed back in disgrace, just as it says in Scripture. The, the term lying in the sand, that's where it comes from. The Roman general, the commander, actually drew a, a line, a circle around him in the sand and said, you step anywhere in here, you're going to war with Rome. So he drew a line in the sand. In verse 19 it says, Then he shall turn his face back towards the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and shall not be found. Then he shall rise in his place, one who shall send an exactor of tribute, for the glory of the kingdom, but within a few days he shall be broken, neither in anger nor in battle. So 
And this is where the two groups of people, one eventually emerges, and this is where we get Antichius and Phiphanes. And now he is a foreshadowing uh, of and the Antichrist. He's a vile, vile man. And it says in verse 21, And, and in his, his place shall rise a contemptible person. Some of y'all may have despicable person. Uh, to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without a warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Uh, Antichius was indeed despised by the Jews and, and uh, was definitely a contrast of God. It's, it's uh, such a difference in, of good and evil. And so it, it's a reminder of the nation of Israel. Uh, but it says here, The army shall be utterly swept away before him and broken, even the prince and the, of the covenant. From the time that the alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, and he shall become strong with small people. So he's going to make an alliance with Israel, with the Jews. And that's the same thing that's going to happen in the end times. Uh, Without warning, he shall come into the richest part of the province, and he shall do what neither his fathers nor his father's fathers have done, scattering among the, them plunder, spoils, and goods. He shall devise a plan against the strongholds, but only for a time. And he shall stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south with great army. And the king of the south shall wage war with exceedingly great and mighty army, but he shall not stand for plots shall be devised against him. Even those who eat his food shall break him. His army shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. And as for the two kings, their hearts shall be bent on doing evil. They shall speak lies at the same table, but to no avail. For the end is yet to be at a time appointed. And he shall return to his land with great wealth, but his heart shall be against the holy covenant. And he shall work his will and return to his own land. So his heart is going to turn against Israel. In verse 29, At the time appointed he shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be, in this, uh, be this time as it was before. So this is a great moment in history where God is, is sovereign even over the events of evil people. So Antichius and Pippanes is, is he's going to be allowed a limited time here to do what he's, he's going to do. And so it says, For ships of Kittim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw, and shall turn back to be enraged. So he, he tries to go up against Egypt. He gets destroyed. Uh, again, the Roman army tells or the Roman t- the Roman army tells him, "Hey, you do this. You step one foot into Egypt, you're going to war with us." And so he tells them, and he shall turn back, and he'll be enraged, and take action against the holy covenant. So he shall turn back and pay attention to those who for forsake the holy covenant. So. He's on his way back from Syria. He gets angry and he releases all that anger against the Jews in Israel. And now you're going to see what happens here. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offerings and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. So upon his arrival, 40,000 were killed. By the time his anger was vented, over a hundred thousand had been slaughtered. And then the abomination of desolation. He, he went to the temple, killed a pig on the altar, 
smeared the blood on the walls and demanded he be uh, uh, be remainder be drunk by the the Jewish priest and then he erected a statue of Zeus and one of himself and he demanded that he be worshipped well this is the same thing that's going to happen with the Antichrist that's why the Jews called him Antichius Epiphanes which means Antichius the, the shining one it's a madman and it's, it's no different than, than what we see with Hitler. It's, it's, it's a sad, sad piece of history. In verse 32 it says, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. But the people who know their God will, strand, uh, will be strong and take action. That is something for us to remember. Okay? You know God. You need to take action. If it goes against what God's Word says, you need to let people know, hey, this, is, this goes against God's Word. We can't do this. You take action. You let people know. Verse 33, it says, And the wise among the people shall make many understand. If you understand, make other people understand. If you understand in time, sit down with somebody. Like, if you don't understand it, Ask somebody and say, man, I, I don't really get it. Can you explain it to me? Make other people understand it. That's what we want with the Word of God is that other people would come to know and understand God's Word. Because there is coming a time when... That's why they're talking about leaving those kits behind for the people that are left behind. So they understand, hey, you missed it. But here's what the Word of God says and here's where it said it. You need, to, you need to repent and turn to Christ. Be a student of the Word of God. Help others understand it. Though for some days they shall stumble by sword and by flame and, and, and by captivity and plunder. In verse 34 it says, When they stumble they shall receive a little help and, and many shall join themselves to, uh, to them with flattery. So Nehemiah 8.8 8 says, They read from the book of the law of God clearly and they gave sense so that the people understood the reading and that's what we're supposed to do as well and some wise shall stumble so that they may be refined and purified and made white until the time of the end for it still awaits the appointed time so we know Antichius and Epiphanes does this and this is where the Maccabean revolt comes from this is all part of the history um, uh, that happens and then verse 36, it says, And the king shall do his will, and he shall exalt himself, and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak astonishing things against God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for what time is decreed shall be done. And so now what happens is we get into a leap in time, the latter days of, of the Antichrist. And so both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach about the Great Tribulation. So you can't say that it was just something that happened because historians will say that this has already happened. There's already been an abomination of desolation. No, this is later times. That's why Jesus talked about it. Jesus shared about this. And when we get into, we're going to get into all this as we get into the end of Mark about end times. We're going to continue this conversation. It says, and he shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the beloved, uh, beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all. This is why it's important to understand. 
when the Antichrist comes, there is no religion but to worship the Antichrist. There will not be a Muslim religion. There will not be a, a Christian religion or a Jewish religion. You will have to worship the Antichrist or you will be killed. It's that simple. If you claim to be a Christian, you will be martyred. It, it's, it, it, he, he wants to be worshipped. And, and so it's a reminder to us. It's like there's, you know, the Antichrist will reject all religion. Because it, the religion is to worship him. And when the people of the world would worship a man of sin, they would, they would be worshiping Satan. The one who empowers him. So Antichius and Phiphanes was a, a picture of the foreshadowing of the Antichrist. Let's keep moving here. I know everybody's eyes are starting to... And he shall honor the God of the fortress instead of these, a God whom his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He shall deal with the strongest fortress with the help of a foreign God. Those who acknowledge him, he shall load with honor. He shall make them rulers over and shall divide the land for price. So, you know, he's going to be selfish he's gonna he's gonna divide up to those who 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 cozy up to him and trust me there will be plenty of congressmen and senators and presidents that will do this unfortunately but he will make a covenant with israel and then eventually break it at that time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and a horseman with many ships, and he shall come into the countries and shall overflow the pass through, and he shall come into the glorious land, and ten thousand shall fall, but the, they, they shall be delivered up in the hand of Edom and Moab in the main part of the Ammonites. So Edom and Moab are the... Now, this is very important. Edom and Moab is modern-day Jordan. Real places, real, real, real things, real people. And the Bible is true. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt and shall not escape. He shall become a ruler of treasures and gold and silver and all precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Cushites will follow in his train. But the news from the east and the north shall alarm him. He shall go out with great fury and destroy and devote many to destruction. He shall pitch his uh, palatious tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain, and yet shall come to his end with none to help him. So he is ruled alone. He rules alone. He'll die alone. God is sovereign. There's an appointed time and an end for this. And then finally, we'll read through these last few verses here. We can get through it. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And this is where we, we start seeing the beauty of the Scripture. At the time shall arise Michael, the archangel, uh, the great prince whom has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many those who slept in the dust of the earth shall awake some everlasting life, and some to shame everlasting contempt. This is very important. If you're sharing the gospel with somebody, 
this is a verse you need to use. Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. You either have everlasting life or everlasting contempt. And he's talking about the two resurrections. One to life, one to judgment. The eternal addresses, either to heaven or to hell. Very important that y'all get that. As you share the gospel with people, that's one of the things you can share with them. It's like, hey, there's an everlasting life. But there's also a place of everlasting contempt. And in, in verse 3 it says, And those who are wise shall shine like brightness of the sky. And those who turn many to righteousness like stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro. Knowledge shall increase. Has that happened? Yes. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on the bank in the stream and one on the bank of the stream. And someone said to man clothed in linen, who above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, he raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time. A times. Uh, for a times, times, and a half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things will be finished. And I heard, but I did not understand. these. Then I said, O oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? So he's talking about the Bible passages and, and it's one of the things that I love is like take heart. Daniel couldn't understand the vision that was given to him because a time had yet not come. And yet God will help you understand it because we know the Word of God. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps us with it. In verse 9 it says, And he shall go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. You need to highlight that. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. Okay, we know there are things that are happening that are wicked. Just look at what the World Economic, world economic Forum's doing. They're moving towards a one world order. Look at what our nation's doing. It's wicked. It's wicked. You know, it's, it, it's a reminder to us that the wicked shall act wickedly. And, and it shouldn't be a surprise to us. When you see things like chips that are, are things to swallow and, and then they... They activate and that stuff is real. It's the science is already there. They don't need to put a chip in them. They just give you a pill you take. There are things that are happening in science that are wicked. Wicked. You know, you never thought when we talk about abortion that they would be thinking about aborting 28 days after. Or if a father shakes the baby to death, they won't be charged. That's wicked. Wicked acting wickedly. And those are supposedly from Christian Congress people and senators. 
that are supposed to be believers of God. So we shouldn't be surprised. Wicked acting wickedly. The wicked shall not understand, but those who are wise shall understand. You understand. You see it happening and you go, man, this is exactly what Daniel was talking about. This is exactly what the book of Revelation says. This is exactly what Ezekiel talks about. All these things that are happening. You, you're, it shouldn't be a surprise to you. It should excite you that we're getting closer and closer to the time of Christ. It should excite us. And it says, And from that time that the regular burnt offering is taken away, the abomination that makes desolate is set upon, and there shall be 1,290 days. So you have the second half of the tribulation will be 1,290 days, and that equals uh, three and a half prophetic years, 1,260 days, plus an extra 30 days is the discussion of prof prophetic years uh, that was given in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. And so then you could be uh, the time between the announcement, that is the abomination of desolation that will happen. That uh, is going to be set up and actually uh, erected. And, and so he'll turn on Jerusalem. Um, the Antichrist will turn. All these things will happen. There'll be a cleansing of the, of the temple. And, and then it says, Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. So that number extends to the after the tribulation for uh, the time after the tribulation uh, for four, uh, 45 days. And yet those who preserve or persevere to the end of the period are clearly blessed. And so some scholars will suggest that this is extra time, but uh, it could all allow for the gathering and the judgment of the Gentile nations. But uh, in verse 13, it says, But your way till the end, and you shall rest, and you shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. So he's like, go your way, Daniel. The angel says that th this won't apply to you. You'll be dead, but you'll rise again. You, you, this is not the end. Right? You'll rest, but you and, and shall stand at the allotted place at the end of days. You'll come back again at the right time. And so that's one of the things I love about Daniel. So as you read it, just remember this tribulation. As Calvary Chapel, we believe in pre-trib. We won't be here for this. The church will be raptured. And, and Lord help those that are here. That's why I think it, I, when I heard about that, that they were making kits, I thought that was awesome. Because there are going to be people looking for answers. And it was in the Bible the whole time. It was in the Bible the whole time. If I can share anything with you as we close the book of Daniel, live your life the way Daniel did, with humility, with fasting and praying. And you go, well, I, I can't fast. I, I can't not eat or I can't. Fasting can be, you know, hey, I, I'm not going to be on this thing. I'm only going to do it for work from 9 to 5, and then I'm going to turn it off for, for the next seven days, and I want to fast. And you're fasting to see God move. Like you're wanting to fast and pray for something specific. The, the, the same way that, that, um, that Bartimaeus prayed specifically. Like, what do you want from me? It's what Jesus is asking. And he's like, I need to recover my sight. If Jesus asks you that today, what is your answer? What do you want from me? And it's like, you should have an answer. Like, Lord, today, please.
Just have mercy on me and let me walk in your grace. And when I stumble, help me. Let me see it. Let me know it. Let me repent. Let me get back to doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Spend time with God. Spend time in prayer. And, and let me tell you something. A humble spirit. Humility. We read that today in Daniel. Just, uh, just in Daniel chapter 1. It's, it's an amazing thing to see in Daniel chapter 1. As he's asking the king's servant. Hey, um, I can't eat this stuff. And what happens? He gets favor from God. And God puts it on that person's heart and he's allowed to do it. And we see all these different kings and rulers and, and different countries and, and nations and God is moving pieces. Because who's in control? He is. He is. There's an end to the story. And we're victorious. And, and I, I pray if, you, if you've lost your strength today, I pray that the Lord would touch you and, and give it back to you. And, and so it, sometimes we can read or see the news and it can be just absolutely defeating. And we need that touch of the Lord. I would tell you to get up, touch the remote and turn it off. That would be the first thing. Spend time with God in prayer. Be humble. Be humble servants. We're here to serve. One of the things I love is just the amount of love that outpoured in Medina, uh, our, our Mission Divine. I don't know why I'm saying that. Mission Divine. And to see those that are retired from ministry. They're not retired. They're still serving. Working on yards. Serving tacos in the morning. The ones that can't be out. The, the, I, I wish I would have got her name. She was so sweet. And she was there making sure we had orange juice and water. And, and she goes, I can't be out there anymore, but I can do this. And I was like, thank you so much for doing this. I was thirsty and you brought me water. She's, she's leaving this earth serving God. The same way Daniel did. The same way Daniel did. Let us finish well. And finish strong. And you go, man, I'm, I'm, I'm physically not able to do everything. But you can pray. You realize they have prayer teams every day when those, when those people go out. People that are there praying. Those ministries don't function without prayer. The real heroes are the ones that are in their prayer closet praying for God to move. Because they're, they're, they're not seen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.